it is time for another Master Passive Income show. My name's Dustin Heiner and at Master Passive Income, we talk all about real estate rental properties and I help people to quit their job by investing in real estate rental properties and help them to build an automatic business that runs itself and makes them money while they sleep. Now in this business, we have income and expenses. We have things that come into our pocket, which is income, which is rents from the, the, the tenants pay. And we have expenses. That's the money that comes out of our pocket when we run our business. Every business has them and we have those as well. Now today we're gonna to be looking at the expenses that we have in our business. This is a two part series and the reason why is because there's a lot of things we gotta cover. We wanna make sure that we're accounting for every expense and making sure we're not going to overlook an expense because the last thing you want is $250 coming in your pocket and then having that cut down because you forgot an expense. Now let's get started where we talk all about the numbers in the rental property business and the definite expenses that you will absolutely see when you are renting out a rental property. All right, guys, let's get in there and start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about all aspects of real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey guys, I am super excited that you're here with me today. Thank you so much for your time to be able to spend with me. Hopefully you're learning a lot about rental properties and how you can change your life with rental properties. Now, something happened to me recently that I wanted to share with you. So I coach my boys, I have two boys, their flag football team. And in their flag football team, we actually lost this last Saturday. I personally hate losing. Now, I'm not a bad loser where I'm all, you know, angry and, you know, yelling and and, you know, throwing things. I'm definitely not that, but I hate losing and it keeps dragging my brain down for the next like three hours after we lose a football game. I'm just the coach and the kids are the ones doing the playing, but I put it on myself. And so what I wanted to share with you was I want to basically ask you the question, how do you react to winning and losing? So there's a statement that I hear all the time, and it really was getting to me until I really figured out why it was getting to me. So the statement in flag football or, you know, PB sports or anything like that, it's, it's all about having fun. Just have fun. Just have fun. Well, me, I'm a winner. I hate losing. Like I have a perspective that I'm a winner. It's going to sound very arrogant, I know, but I have a perspective that I'm always going to win. And when I lose, it really is something that I hate to do. And so I had to tell my kids because, you know, they're being told, well, it's all about having fun, kids. And I said, no, it's not about having fun. We want to have fun, but we also play to win. And the reason why I'm teaching my kids this is because I don't want them to have that mentality going into work, going into a job that they're going to eventually get out of because they're investing in rental properties. That's what I'm teaching them is how to get out of a job and have rental properties. But if you go into life in general as, well, I'm just going to have fun and you're not playing to win, well, then you're not playing to win, meaning you're not in a perspective of mind that you are saying, I'm a winner, I'm going to win. Now, I'm not the type of person, and you might be, I'm not saying it's bad at all, but I don't look in the mirror and say, I'm a, I'm a smart person, I'm, I'm a wealthy person. And you know, What they say is like, you know, you think it and you imagine it and then you, it's, it becomes yours. I'm not like that. I just have a mentality that I don't like to lose. I love to win and I play to win. 
So what about you? In life, do you play to win? And this picks up off of our last two episodes that I just did talking about the fear of buying that first rental property. Buying that first property so that you can get the ball rolling and your business going. And having that fear and stopping you to actually living out the rest of your life, living the dream life and doing what you want, letting that fear stop you is going to be just like not playing to win, not saying I'm going to focus hard on winning. Now, I also personally like doing Olympic lifting. There's the clean and jerk and the snatch, which is lifting the bar over your head, basically. So if you see the Olympics and the summer Olympics, you see guys lifting the bar above their head. I like doing that. Now, when I approach the bar, that's a heavy weight, heavier weight than I can do. I don't think, you know, just as long as I have fun. No, I tell myself, like I make a conscious effort in my brain. and, And my dad taught me this when I was really young. He said, mind over matter. If you can think it, then you can probably do it within reason. Obviously, you know, if, my, if I can only snatch 230 pounds, I'm not going to be able to snatch 800 pounds. You know, it's just that's just not the way it's going to work out. But here's the thing that I want you to take away. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Let me break that down one more time. If you think you can or if you think you cannot... That means you are absolutely right. So if you're telling yourself beforehand, well, I'm not going to do good when I buy this property. It's not going to make me money. I'm not going to buy it right. I'm not going to go ahead and move forward. Well, you're absolutely. That can't means that you won't be able to do it because you're telling yourself beforehand. So what I want to do is I want to give you the perspective that you absolutely can invest in real estate rental properties and you absolutely should and have the mentality that you're going to win. Not that you're just going to play to have fun in the business of life or the game of life, but you're going to do it to win. I want to see you win. I want to see you be successful. And so remember, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And so if you think I can't buy the right property or I can't find it for the best price or I'm going to make, I'm going to lose money every single time I buy a house, if you have that defeatist type of attitude, then you will probably be right because you will never move forward. You'll never buy that first property. You'll never learn from your mistakes, which is a huge thing that we as, you know, self-improvement type people, investors, people that want to get better, we learn from our mistakes. Well, if you never have a mistake because you don't move forward, then you don't grow. Now, my, my boy, um, he was playing quarterback. He passed the ball to the, the running back and the defender picked the ball and ran it back. Well, that was him making a mistake. It sadly was a mistake and it was a touchdown and it lost us the game. But now he knows he, that failure is going to make him understand, hey, there's a defender right there. Don't throw the ball. Remember, they're 10 years old, so nine and 10 years old. So they're, they're rather young. But then you get my point. I want you to be thinking that you are going to be able to win no matter what. Now, here's one thing that I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with that this investing business in real estate where you can buy your rental property, you can change your life because you have an automatic business. It's absolutely doable. Now, I am, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm not very smart. I've even told you before that I failed my accounting class in college. It was called accounting for a absolutely horrible. I'm not a numbers person. And that if anybody tells you you have to be a numbers person in order to invest in real estate, they are lying to you because I am absolutely not a numbers person. Not saying I don't understand them. I do, but it takes a lot of work. That's why I pay 
accountants to do all my accounting because, you know, I just got my, uh, my tax bill was, you know, a couple, I don't know, 500 bucks to have my accountant do my taxes, which he does a great job. But I was so glad, great, grateful and glad that he did my taxes because I didn't have to do it. What would take me a year and a half and be painstakingly to do and do, I would do it poorly. He did it in like three hours and got me back and gave me a bill of 500 bucks. And I'm like, Hey, done and done. This is awesome. I love paying him because he does so much work for me. So I know that I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I know that I have seen other people do it. I've learned from other people, gotten coaches. I've seen how to do it right. And now I've implemented that into my business. And I want that for you. I want to see you be able to quit your job because you have rental properties and you have a business that is successful. So again, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to have that mindset where you are going to say, I'm not going to be successful. Because if you do that, you're never going to get started. And you want to get started because your life will be amazingly better. All right. So hopefully you get my perspective that we are winners. If you are born, if you are alive, I don't care what country you're in, as long as your attitude is changed to where you realize that you inherently are alive, which means you are a winner. Now, there may be some things outside of you that are um, hindering you or stopping you, like the government, the socialist government that won't let you start your own business and stuff like that. I completely understand that. But there are where there's a will, there's a way, and I can see you do it. Okay, now let's get started where we talk about expenses. Now, I always get questions about, hey, am I going to be making money in this business? You know, if I buy this one property, am I going to make money? Well, that's a fantastic question, but it's one that you can answer yourself. Now, here's the equation, and it's super, super simple. Your income, which is the rents that you bring in from your rental property, minus your expenses, that is your profit or negative profit. Like if you're bringing in less money than your expenses are, then you're paying money out of your pocket. So super, super simple. And I'm teaching my kids this information. I mean, they're at the oldest is 10 down to six. They're learning this stuff because it's so super easy. If you know elementary math, you can absolutely do this business. It's super, super simple. So income, which is the rent coming in, minus your expenses, is your profit or negative profit. Now, here's what I wanted to focus on today because a lot of people say, well, I think I know what the, the income should be. You know, I talked to a property manager or Zillow says this, which I agree, let's look at Zillow. Let's get as many people out there as possible giving us information of what a property would rent for. Go to Craigslist, look what other ones are renting for in the area that are very similar. You have a lot of ways to figure out how much income. Now, you can generally get a decent number for how much it's going to rent in an area by about 10 to 15% up or down. Let's say you assume that um, what everybody's telling you is correct and you believe $1,300 is how much you could rent the property for. Well, just about 10% up or down is what you're probably going to be able to rent it for. Like all your information coming together, it's 10% above $1,300 and 10% down $1,300. So let's, you know, $130 up, $130 down. So let's say at minimum, you could rent it for maybe $1,150, but the maximum you could probably rent it for is maybe $1,450, somewhere around there. So there's a range that you're going to have. And so here's my suggestion, huge tip I'm going to give you. If you have a range of income, 
you want to take the lower amount. And if you still make money from that lower amount after the expenses, you know, you run all your numbers and you put in the lower amount and you still make $250 or more, then it's a good deal. I'll give you an example. I had bought one property that I thought it was going to do fantastic. I was going to be making like $600 a month on it until I got the tax bill. And I didn't see the tax bill. It was a city tax as to opposed to a county tax. It was like $3,200. It literally cut my income in half on the property every single month. So instead of $600, I was making, or I am making $300 a month. Well, live and learn, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. And so praise the Lord, I'm still making 300 bucks a month, which is fantastic for that property. And so what I wanna give you is a perspective that you, even though you think you might be able to get a certain amount of rent for it, you want to be conservative on the lower end. Big, huge pro tip, be conservative on the lower end so that you make sure that if you have any out, um, unforeseen expenses pop up, you're gonna to be totally fine because you don't wanna have that all of a sudden like, oh my goodness, all my passive income's gone. Now I'm paying money and I'm stuck in this property. You don't want that. Now let's get into the expenses that you should expect to pay for when you are owning a rental property. Now, these are not all absolutely gonna be there. Like one is a mortgage. Um, you may buy it for cash, you may not, but more than likely, if you're getting started like I did, you got a mortgage and that mortgage takes money out of your pocket. Okay, so let's get into it. So like I was just saying, the first one that you should expense and make sure it's accounted for is a mortgage on the property. Making sure that you have money that is going to account for that mortgage that you're gonna pay. If you're gonna be buying a house for, let's just give you a round number, $100,000 you buy the house for, you put 20% down, you have an $80,000 mortgage. Well, your monthly payment on your mortgage is probably gonna be somewhere around 600 bucks a month, give or take. Now you're gonna to wanna to make sure you account for that in your expenses, making sure that the mortgage is paid for by the tenant. Now, another tip I'm gonna give you is never lose money on any property that you buy. I've heard of some investors say, well, I'm investing for um, uh, appreciation. So in the long run, I'll make money. Like, no, only not good investors do that. I, at least that's my opinion. I'd rather make every, money every single month. That's how I'm able to not work a job is because I'm making money every single month from my properties. So the mortgage is gonna be something that you're gonna to have to talk with a financial company, just like when I interviewed just like Patrick Soy, who I just interviewed. If you go back a couple episodes, you're gonna be able to hear him talking about financing. Talk to him, he's gonna help you to figure out what your monthly payment is gonna be for those mortgages every single month. Now let's move on to another one, your real property taxes. Now you would think it's called like a real estate tax or something like that. No, it's actually, it's a real property. So it's, it's something tangible. Now there's personal property that the county tax collector will tax you on and get you taxed. And so there's personal property and real property. A physical location like a rental property is real property, a boat, um, a horse, things like that. That would be considered personal property and they tax you for that. Again, the government taxes you on everything. I absolutely hate taxing. It's just, it's horrible. And so property taxes or real property taxes come from a couple different areas that I want you to double check and make sure because this is where I had to learn the lesson the hard way. So number one is the county tax. And usually you can find that everywhere, every single type of company like Zillow or Redfin or Trulia.com. All these companies are going to have the taxes on there because it's easily and readily available. Now you're going to be able to find the county taxes. The other thing you're going to want to watch out for 
And in certain areas, you're also going to have either a city tax or a school tax or something else that's on top of that. So where I invest in Houston, there's also a, a city tax on top of that, and that is to pay for the schools in the area, the specific area that I'm uh, the property's in. The, and so what's so irritating is, like I said in the beginning, I actually didn't know that I had a $3,200 a year tax for that one property. So it cut my income in half. So you want to watch out for that. Now, here's a key that I want to give you a huge tip. When you're buying in the area, I want you specifically to ask two people or two types of uh, people, your property manager and your realtor. There even a third one would be your title company, your title company, your property manager, and your realtor. Ask them how many or what other taxes are there other than a county real property tax? Is there a city tax? Is there a school tax that's some someplace else? Is there a water department that's outside of this that they're going to be taxing me as well? You want to be talking to them about all the other taxes in the area because if you're like me, you're investing in another state that you don't live in, you need to have people on the ground that have experience. And so there's another investor that I know that as I was talking to him, he mentioned to me, hey, you might want to watch out for another tax that they have. And I completely just blew that out of my mind. I didn't even, I, I heard him, but it was like, oh, I think I got it covered and realized now I wish I would have listened because I would have done a lot differently. But you want to be talking to people and say, what other taxes should I be wary for? What should I watch out for? All right, next one, homeowner's insurance. You absolutely should have homeowner's insurance. Now, not just like a personal residence homeowner's insurance. You want to make sure that you have landlord insurance. Landlord insurance is going to help you to make sure your property is covered with a tenant in there. Now, a regular homeowner's insurance may not or usually does not cover tenants, or if you subleasing out to somebody, it doesn't cover that. So you want to make sure that it has a landlord policy on there as well. So that it, you know, if it's just a normal homeowner's policy, which is totally fine to have, but you want to make sure that with that homeowner's policy, there is the landlord option. So specifically, like, don't think you're going to get away. Like if you say, well, you know, they might charge me a little more to make it a landlord policy. Well, what's going to be a bummer is if you don't ask or specifically tell them and make sure that the landlord policy is in there. If you don't actually do that, you're going to be wasting money because they're going to say, well, you know, why is your at, you know, your house burned down and why is your tenant now wanting to get reimbursed for this when you should be living in there in the first place. So your insurance that you had is now no good. We can't, we're not going to pay on it because you were not living in it. We didn't know you were subleasing it out. So you want to make sure you get homeowner's insurance, if not specifically landlord insurance. Now, on top of that, I'll give you another pro tip. You also want liability insurance, and it's actually fairly inexpensive to get liability insurance, or it's like an umbrella policy of liability over all the properties. Not specifically that the, you don't, you're not thinking of the one that comes in your landlord policy because there's a liability line item there. It's a great idea to get an umbrella policy that is over all the properties and you, that covers liability. So anything above and beyond what your homeowners and landlord insurance covers, you're going to be covered on top of that because we live in a society where they call it a litigious society, but everybody wants to sue everybody. You know, they want to get rich quick by suing some, somebody else. You know, you don't want to be that person where you run out of insurance be, or the insurance doesn't stack up. Okay, your next expense that you're going to be looking at. Now, this is not everywhere, but many places have homeowners 
associations. Your homeowners associations basically think of a gated community or not even doesn't have to be gated. Like where I physically live in Arizona, it's not a gated area, but there's a homeowners association that covers like 150 homes in this one little block that I live in and all or you know a couple blocks, but all of these homes, they are basically all joined together. There's, you know, they work together to make sure that the properties look nice. And I actually got onto the board of my homeowners association because I wanted to make some changes because you're doing some stupid things. But what's funny is they actually sent me a letter and said, you need to paint your house. It's getting faded. You know, Arizona, you have the hot sun, which fades the paint really easily, which I completely understand that. But they sent me a letter saying it's in the policy that you must paint your house, not policy, but the association. It's in the bylaws. So you, we are telling you, you have to paint your house. I'm like, what? The paint looks totally fine. How in the world can you tell me to paint my house? That's $1,500. You're just telling me to spend $1,500 or $2,000 out of my pocket just because, oh, anyways, it's good and bad. They keep the area looking nice, but you're paying money into the homeowners association. It's something that you're definitely going to have to be under um, concerned about and watch out for. And if you go back and listen to my podcast episode where I I interview Michael, who is an investor in Las Vegas, he actually ran across this. And what happened was he actually bought a property, and in the homeowners association, it literally said. You cannot rent out the property. It's for homeowners specifically. It cannot be rented out as a rental. And he was like, what? And so basically he he was um, blessed to be able to sell that house and, you know, across the street or across the way when it's not in the homeowners association, he bought that house and now it's rented out just fine because it was not, didn't have the stipulation. But that was a huge dilemma where now he literally had a property he could not do anything with, could not make money from. And you don't want that. So if there's a homeowners association, Huge tip I'm going to give you, learning from Michael's mistake, look at the documents to make sure that you are able to rent out the property. The last thing you want is to have a property that you cannot rent out. And that show that you can find that whole interview where I interview Michael is masterpassiveincome.com forward slash zero two nine. That's the 29th podcast episode. Listen to that. It's great. And it's actually interesting to see how he worked it out to get out of that property. Now, let's move on. So with homeowners association, you're going to move on to the next thing is other fees that you're going to be looking for, like governmental fees for rental properties. Now, I have a few areas of the country that I invest that the government says, if you're going to be renting that property, you need to pay us $40 a year or $50 a year, which I know it's not a lot, but it's something you need to account for because it could be as much as like $500 a year. It could be that ridiculous. Governments, as long as they can get the, the people to say yes to, you're going to be paying whatever they say. So here is how you're going to figure out if you have governmental fees for rental property. It's super simple. Ask your property manager. Ask them, hey, in this city or in this county or whatever that you're wherever you're investing, is there going to be any rental property fees like inspections they're going to have to do? Are they going to be charging me once a year to be registered as a rental property that I'm going to need to account for? Because you need to make sure you have that in your numbers, even though it might not be that much or that expensive, like one area of the country is $40 a year. That's $40. I mean, I think I have 20 properties in that area. I mean, shoot, that's $800 I have to pay to the county government, which is absolutely irritating. Every year I have to write that check. It's just ridiculous. And again, talk to your property manager. They should, if they're a good property manager, they should know how much it's going to cost. Now, next up, 
your vacancy allowance. This is something that a lot of new investors overlook, and it's easy to do the numbers and not have this in there. But what a vacancy allowance basically is, when your property is not rented, it's vacant. And you need to account for that month or whatever time period that it's not going to be rented in your numbers before you buy the property. Now, another pro tip, ask your property manager what they believe is a good vacancy rate to use. It it could be anywhere as 5% of the year, it's going to be vacant to 10% of the year, it's going to be vacant. That means 5% of the year. So uh, 5% of the total days out of the year, it will not be rented. Now, let me give you an example. A property that rents for $1,100 is potentially vacant for one month out of the year. That's an 8% vacancy rate. That's one month vacant divided by 12 months a year is 8%. And so track with me, 11, and I'll have these in the show notes. I'll pause really quickly to tell you, go to the show notes and um, you'll be able to see all the information that I'm right, that I'm explaining out. Cause if you might not be a numbers person like me, you might need to see it written down. Go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash zero five four. This is a 51st podcast episode. So if you go there, you're going to see these, these numbers plan out. Now the total monthly income would be $1,100 which is the rent amount coming in minus 8% of that $1,100. So the way you do that is $1,100 times 8%. That is $88 of rent taken out every single month. So you thought you were making $1,100 a month. Well, it comes down to $1,012 per month because removing that $88 or that 8% out of the equation you're left over with $1,012. So just imagine your property being not rented one month. You need to account for that. Now, what's interesting, you're gonna get some investors say, or new investors say, well, you know, this great property, I'm gonna find some good tenants. I'm gonna run background checks. I'm gonna do everything right. Well, I'm gonna tell you that just for the sake of safety, put this in your numbers. Make sure you put a minimum 5%, if not 8% of the rental property um, the income as a vacancy allowance per month. Yeah, you want to deduct that because here's the great thing. It's not an actual expense, meaning if it is rented for an entire 12 months, I've had properties rented for five years, six years. So all that money, that extra 8%, it's basically in my pocket. I accounted for it to not be there. And if it's not there, I'm covered, which is great. That's what you want. But that extra money, that's just gravy. That's, hey, hey, let's go to Disneyland, kids, or whatever it might be. So you want to make sure you account for vacancy allowance. Now, another huge one that a lot of new investors miss is leasing the property. Now, if you are managing your property yourself, then you won't have this. Most likely you won't have this. But if you get a leasing agent, if you get your property manager, if you have somebody finding a tenant for you, for your property, then you're gonna need to pay them a finder's fee, basically, the time it takes to show the property, all the marketing, driving to and from, uh, meetings and all that sort of stuff, talking with potential tenants, screening them, all that sort of stuff. That is going to be a finder's fee. Now, I've found that a lot of property managers and leasing agents love, 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 love to charge a one month's rent. The first month's rent is their leasing fee. Can you believe that? So if you're renting a home for $1,100, they want $1,100 to find a tenant. Now, here's what you do. Here's a pro tip I'm going to give you. If they actually do 
charge you that and they say, we're going to charge you one month's rent. This is what you need to do. I want you, you say to them, I want you to give me a guarantee for one year that they will be in the property. If I'm going to pay you $1,100, I'm not going to pay you $1,100 and then two months have to evict a guy. And then four months, I have to find another tenant and then I have to pay you another $1,100. I'm not in the business of doing that. So you find me a good tenant for $1,100. I will pay you that. Or this is my opinion. I would actually suggest negotiating saying, I'll pay you three quarters of a month's rent or half a month's rent, something like that to do it. Um, but you want to try to get more out of it than just saying yes to the one month's rent. So you'll say to them, this is what I want from you. I want to guarantee that if the tenant moves out, is evicted or whatever, you are going to release the property for free. I'm not going to pay you another finder's fee because you should have found me the right tenant who's going to stay in there for a long time in the first place. So that's a huge pro tip I want to give you. Make sure that you get that done. Okay, so along with vacancy allowance, watch out for that first month's fee that you're going to have to, you know, the leasing fee that you're going to have to have. Now, here's another one that I want to make sure that you understand is vital for your business. You want to have capital reserves. You want to put away money every single month into a savings account and a money market account, put it under your mattress. I Well, maybe not that, maybe buy a safe and put it in the safe. But you want to save money every single month for future expenses that could be big expenses. So here's my opinion. I would say starting off with each property, let's say you're starting your business, you buy one property. I would recommend saving 10% of the income each month as an expense, like you're telling yourself, I'm giving myself an expense, it's 10%. Now that 10%, it's not spent until you actually have, you know, a furnace go out, HVAC system, or a plumbing problem, or a roof problem. That's when that money's spent, but it's your money until it's actually spent. So you want to have this expense coming out of your pocket every single month, putting into a savings account someplace you won't see it, and make sure that you don't touch it, until you need it for emergencies. Like if the HVAC system goes out, you need to have money to pay for that. And this is what the capital reserve does. Now, a huge thing that people ask me is, well, how much money do I need for my business? Well, it really comes down to your risk tolerance. My huge opinion, and this is just my opinion because each person's different. I personally save up to um, basically one to two months rent of each property that I have in a savings account until I get to 10 properties. So once I have, let's say, $10,000 to $15,000 in an emergency fund or in my capital reserve, I don't need to have any more than that. Like I don't need $80,000 in capital reserves. And the reason why, not every single furnace is going to go out at the same time. Not every single roof is going to go out at the same time. You're going to be able to have the money coming in from your new property or your new rents every single month replenish that capital reserve. So here that's my opinion. You do what's what's best for your, you know, risk tolerance. And so if you saved 1 to 2 months rent from your first property, then save one to two months rent from your second property up until you get to be, let's say, $10,000 or $15,000. Once you have $15,000 and you keep adding new properties, I personally would say you don't need to get more inside that capital reserve. It very well could. I mean, it's totally fine if you did. But my suggestion is that you can do really, really well, but you must make sure you have a capital reserve accounted for. Now, what's great 
is as soon as you have that capital reserve, that extra 10%, that's money in your pocket. You don't have to worry about it until you have to replenish it once you pay out and HVAC or something like that happens. Now, as I'm closing, I want to give you a free investing course. Go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Get your free course so you get started learning about investing in real estate. You can see all the benefits, see how to do it right, and basically change your life by looking and learning and implementing everything into a real estate rental property business. And I'm going to give that to you, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. And remember, We play to win. In the game of life, we play to win. We don't play to lose. We don't play just to have fun. Fun should come from winning. I tell you, I have so much more fun when I win. And what is super amazing is that when I have that perspective that I play to win, I win more often than I normally would if I didn't. So I'm going to encourage you guys, play to win, invest to win. You can do this. Don't let anything stop you from buying that first property or that next property. You can absolutely do this. Let's quit our jobs together. Let's get our businesses built up so we never have to work a job again. All right, guys, again, Dustin here with masterpassiveincome.com. I love it that you're here with me. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week where we talk about the second part of these other sneaky type of expenses and how to get out of them. I'm going to show you ways to make sure you spend as little money as possible. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. You take care of yourself. Get on there, start investing. Peace out. Peace out.